And now, it's time for Mr. College Football and Friends with Tony Barnhart. Greetings and welcome back to Mr. CFB and Friends. I'm your host, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. And folks, I got to tell you, after week one gave us so much excitement, I thought, man, there is no way, no way at all that week two could be as good. Well, you know what? It wasn't. It was actually better. And we're going to talk about that and a lot, lot more today on Mr. CFB and Friends. Now, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, APA Games, APBA Games, the unquestioned king of quality simulation products. You'll find them at APBA.com, and we really appreciate Mr. John Person for being our sponsor. He's a good guy. Now, Let's bring on the guys. Guys, let's start here. Appalachian State wins at Texas A&M. Marshall wins at the University of Notre Dame. And the day gets capped off Georgia Southern, where I matriculated for a little while, a couple of years, went to Nebraska and won. So what did we really learn from week two? Mark Blash, I'm going to start with you. What did you learn? In Sichuan, Mass, on week two of college well, football. The Sun Belt Conference is a power, is a power five conference. It's obvious. I mean, they just went out and, and kicked everybody's butt. I mean, that was that was obvious to me. I mean, everyone else is A&M's going up, Notre Dame's going up. Even Nebraska loses, you know. I mean, it's it's a change of the, the guard. Herb Gould, Marshall going to Notre Dame. Now, Marshall's got some football history. We know that. But uh, they were not supposed to win at Notre Dame. What uh, – what did you learn on week two? Well, you know, it's just it, it's going to be a process at Notre Dame. I think people have pointed out, you know, that when even when Brian Kelly went to Notre Dame initially, you know, it was a little bit of a learning curve. But when you take a, a first year head coach, no matter how talented he is, there's there's a lot to, to process. And, you know, he's also got a, a young quarterback. Their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, is, is relatively new. Uh, it's going to, you know, there's going to be some patience required by the Notre Dame uh, family. And as we know, patience is not really a, a strong suit for <laughs> traditional powers, whether it's Notre Dame or, or Alabama or Texas. Um, so it's going to be a while down there before they kind of get the ship going the way they wanted to. Our man, Tom Lucci, we call him the locksmith. We're going to have a special segment later on in the show. We talk about uh, the point spreads and uh, how to wager on some of these games, if, if you're so inclined, really it's for entertainment purposes only. Uh, Tom Lucci, what did you learn in the second week of college football? I'll, I'll touch on them quickly, Tony, a couple of brief points. I learned uh, Neil Brown's probably not long for that West Virginia job. Uh, even though Kansas is much improved, can't lose at home to Kansas. Cannot do it. Uh, I, I think we had reinforced or learned that if Brian Ferentz had a different surname, he wouldn't have a job right now. Iowa's offense is that bad, last in the country. And also, I think we learned that the Big 12 crew, for whatever reason, and I still don't know why, Tony, uh, kind of stuck it to Texas in that Alabama game. <laughs> that call, that non-safety call, because I'm going to tell you this. I've watched that replay four times. I understand the ruling that that Bryce Young was on top of a defender when he got the pass off. However, watch closely on that replay. 
There is not a single Alabama player in the area. There are three Texas defenders there, and the ball hits them. Should have been intentional grounding. Should have been a safety. In a one-point game, that makes a difference. Uh, In a one-point game, that absolutely makes a difference. Well, I I tell you what, guys, what I learned over the weekend, me and Texas A&M, we're done, okay? We're done. I mean, they are yet again the most overrated college football team in America. Look, they didn't just get beat by Appalachian State. They got taken to the woodshed. I mean, Appalachian State lined up and held the ball for 41 minutes, 186 total yards. So, I'm telling you, Jimbo, nice guy. Get along with him. Me and Texas A&M, we are done. Why don't we go from there? This takes us right into our hot topics. Tom Lucci, you explained to me. I'm as guilty about this as anybody, all right? I had Texas A&M in my preseason top 10. I looked at those recruiting classes. They supposedly had the number one recruiting class of all time this past year. Why do we keep overrating Texas A&M? I think it might be a Texas thing, Tony. I think the same thing for the University of Texas, the big brother, little brother. They have all the money in the world to spend. The the key is, and, and I think people overlook this sometimes in Alabama, it's not enough to get the number one recruiting class in the country. You have to develop players, even talented players. And show me where, where Jimbo has done that so far at Texas A&M. I don't see much improvement in any of their quarterbacks ever under him. So getting players is great. Coaching them up and developing them is quite another matter, and he hasn't done that yet. Mark, Mark that's what I want to ask you, Mark Blouson. This guy's supposed to be a quarterback guru. Johnny Manziel got on Twitter this week and wondered out loud if he had any eligibility left. <laughs> Mark Blouson – why? All right. He had Jameis Winston at Florida State, won a national championship. We get it. But nothing since then. Why? Well, Lucci had it. Lucci's got it right. You, ha- you have to coach him. You have to develop him. Now, Jim was a great recruiter. He's a great salesman. But even at Florida State, I was not impressed by Jim on game day and game preparation and certainly not developing quarterbacks or, or talent. So I, th- I think that's you, you hit it on the head, Lucci. I mean, you can recruit all you want. And but but you better you better be a better coach once you get him. Now the exception to that rule seems to be Nick Saban. Nick recruits and then and then either coaches and we brings coaches in who do develop players like that. I'll just jump in one other quick thing real quickly, Tony. Some coaches can coach talent. Some can't. It's really yeah. not simple sometimes. Some yeah. coaches can coach talented players and some can't. Well, let's just put it, we're going we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show about their game coming up with uh, Mark Blauschen's alma mater. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. That was topic one. Topic two of our hot topics, I got to bring in our Big Ten guy, Herb Gould. I mean, how bad must it have been at Nebraska? I mean, your situation where if, he, if, if Trevor Albert, Alberts waits another, what, three weeks, the buyout – the buyout on Scott Frost goes from $15 million to $7.5 million. He couldn't, Herbie couldn't wait three weeks. He ate $7.5 million because he felt like he had to do it Sunday. What in the world is the vibe at Nebraska? Well, you know, I think that what they're doing is they're looking around at that Big Ten West from Lincoln, and for all of the woes in Nebraska, you know, that there really isn't anybody that's really scary good to say the least in the Big Ten West. 
I mean, wouldn't that be something if Nebraska got on a little bit of a roll here? And and I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that would happen, but stranger things have certainly happened. So I think that was part of it. Also, how ugly would that have been if you had Scott Frost kind of, uh, you know, embarrassing his program and himself against Oklahoma on Saturday? I, I think, you know, it also goes to the the point that this is how much money the Big Ten and the SEC are are bringing in and anticipating that seven and a half million, you know, for two and a half weeks is not a big deal. Um, but you know, that they're really in my mind, I, I don't know that they're a prohibitive tail hen, tail ender in the, in the big 10 West. They certainly can win some games and you look around that, that division, it just isn't that good. I mean, it, it would, wouldn't that be a heck of a story if, if Nebraska all of a sudden became a contender or even, won that division wow wow you know they, here's the thing i'm going to ask you luch it's this after what nebraska has been through since they left since they left the big 12 and joined the big 10 obviously they made a ton of money we under we understand that but at this point mickey joseph the assistant coach is going to is going to be the interim coach and all that kind of stuff luch i got to ask you They've got to. They've got to have a home run hire now, don't they? Nebraska people have been have been patient, but don't they have to hit a home run with this hire? And what does a home run look like? Yeah, that's a good question. I, the, first, to Herb's point, yeah, as bad as the Big Ten West is, the Big Ten East, you know, is fourteen and zero combined, fourteen and zero, which is kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think Mark Blauchin uh, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. He's been pushing Urban Meyer for Nebraska. I don't know if that's oh a goodness. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, blow, blow. I'm saying blow. just push them. You know who you know who'd be an interesting hire there? And I, I was just searching some of the names. Tom Herman. Wow. He had a he had a you know a good year or two with Texas. Uh you know, he was he was successful prior to that. Is that a home run, Tony? No, it's not that's not a home run. Tom Herman Tom Herman, given what he went through at Texas, he was the guy. Remember, remember he, he he, he turns down LSU to take the Texas job. Sure. And my goodness gracious. And it did Where not are the home runs out. out there, Tony? Where are the home runs out there? I, I, you know, I think so. I, what about her? What about a guy like Bill O'Brien, who's done, who's done a good job, who's been the head coach at Penn State, head coach in the NFL, has done marvelous things with the offense. He, he's got a Heisman Trophy winner on his, on his – what about a guy like Bill O'Brien? Well, Bill O'Brien certainly would be a, a great suggestion, Tony. I mean, when you look at what he did at Penn State when that 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 program was just in disaster ruins, and uh, yeah, I mean, he would be a good one. I mean, Matt Campbell at, at Iowa State is always going to pop up, and he's right in the neighborhood. Um, you know, there's 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 any number of candidates. I think that the, the problem that any of these candidates is going to run into is these Nebraska people still think it's 1995, you know, that Nebraska is going to be one of the top, you know, a handful of elite programs that are going to be perennially challenging for the national championship. And that's just not new who Nebraska is anymore. They should be thinking about being better than Iowa and Wisconsin, you know, to be, you know, a team that can, you know, win nine, 10 games and then, you know, just just go ahead and, and take care of your own business before you try and go conquer the world. Guys, yeah. they're already they're already focused on somebody, and it's and you're it's somebody in the SEC, and it's Mark Stoops. Yep, um, that's that's who they're focusing on. 
And and we were talking to Tony and, and earlier this week. I mean, he'd be perfect for it. I mean, he came from Iowa. He's done everything he can in Kentucky. I mean, he gets out of that. And, and, and like you said, Herb, if he gets into Nebraska in the Big Ten West, he's got a chance to do right, things right away. And, you know, again, it depends on the talent. I mean, is, is there talent there? Can they change things around? But I think the name you're going to hear coming out of the thing right now is Mark Stoops, and I think, I think he would be interested. You know, it's guys – Got it's all about timing in life. Okay, this is Mark Stoops's tenth year. All right, with the win overnight against uh, the other night against Florida, he now has sixty-one wins as the head coach of Kentucky, passing Bear Bryant. Okay, so the the timing would be absolutely right. He played at Iowa. He's he's from Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, he would be an absolute perfect fit. But does Trev Alberts have the vision? to hire a guy, or does he try to go out? Matt Campbell is a sexier, you know, sexier name with what he's done. I just, I, Luch, I just wonder if, if, if they would hire Mark, Mark Stoops, even though he's a great football coach. I, I think they absolutely should think about it. I mean, to me, that would be an inside-the-park home run. You know, it wouldn't be a 500-foot job, but, I mean, considering what he's done at a basketball school, uh, he's just done a remarkable job there. I mean, Kentucky could finish uh, second in the SEC East this year. I mean, it's possible. I know Tennessee is good, and I'm not convinced about Florida, but uh, it's possible he's gotten that program to that level. So, sure, that'd be an excellent hire for them. And right. he would prove John Calipari's point about Kentucky being a basketball school. Yeah, how about that? You know, you know, Kentucky beats Florida again. Three out of the last five years they've beaten Florida. Two of those wins have been in the swamp, so. Keep your eye on that one. Luch, I got to bring you in on, on this. All right. Alabama, regardless of the calls that went their way, Alabama had 15, count them, 15 penalties against Texas. Uh, the folks here on Paul Feinbaum's show have been fussing and cussing. I will put it to you, Tom Lucci. If you're an Alabama fan, are you worried? I'm worried in some respects, Tony. Um, yeah, the penalties are easy to clean up, especially for a professional staff. That's not going to be a problem. You know, people forget there's no preseason in college. You know, they, they got to jump right into this. This was, an uh, you know, an epic kind of game on the road in a tough environment. There's going to be penalties. Uh, I'm more concerned about the wide receiver core. I, I think it's still a little bit too young. I'm not sure if it's mm. championship caliber. I think the running game is, obviously, the quarterback is. Uh, the secondary, little little iffy, too. Those would be, be the things that I'm worried about, having watched that game. Well, I'll tell you what we learned the other day watching Texas and Alabama. As long as Alabama's got number nine and he's healthy, I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine. Don't, don't. Here's, here's the reality, guys. I've known Nick Saban a long time. He loved that game. He absolutely – the fact that he won it, he, he wouldn't be happy if they had lost, but they won the game, and now he can go tell them, you guys aren't that good. You really aren't that good. I mean, you're, you're not listening. You're making too many mistakes. Remember last year, they go to Florida, win by two, a game they almost won, but Saban was able to get on them. They run the table, win the SEC championship, make it to the national championship game. Don't count on Alabama. I still think they're there. All right, topic five. Herb, I want to come back to this when it comes to Notre Dame. Here's the, here's the question that I have. When Brian Kelly left, everybody wanted Marcus Freeman. The players wanted him. 
The former players wanted him. Jack Swarbrick wanted him. Everybody wanted Marcus Freeman. They were not expecting that on Saturday. What is – I don't know. Is, is everybody okay now with Marcus Freeman? Because because he's the guy they wanted, but they just looked horrible on Saturday. Yeah, you know, it, it's a good question, Tony. I mean, that that's one of Notre Dame's MOs over the years. You know, if you look down at the list, I mean – Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss. I, I covered Jerry Faust long, long ago. They, they kind of, you know, this, this one was more natural than those in many ways because Marcus Freeman was, you know, he had, he checked all the boxes. Uh, I think that there's just going to need to be patient because it's just a, a, a transition time. And I don't know. I mean, like you said, they, they were so zeroed in on their d- young defensive coordinator I'm not sure how, that they really looked anywhere else. And this, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but people are just going to have to take it easy because, you know, this game this week with, with Cal, Blau and I were talking about this the other day. I mean, that's not a team that, you know, is going to, you know, be imposing, but you put them out there on a Saturday and, and they're delivering their best effort, which is what Notre Dame gets week in and week out, just like Alabama and others. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's, they're going to lose some games that, that aren't expected to be lost this year. I'm not just talking about, you know, the tough ones like USC and Clemson, but, you know, they've got a lot of games there that look like they could be iffy when, when you do the kinds of things they did against Marshall. Now they have to make a quarterback change, right, Herb? Because of an injury. I heard uh, is that right? Yeah, I heard okay. starter. That's what I saw earlier. earlier yeah, I saw that. They're going to have to make a change. Yep, but because of an injury, not because of effect. Right, because of an injury. Right, right. Yeah. Well, then, then it makes it even tougher. Right. All right, all right. Those were good hot topics. Let's transition over to Mr. Lucci's segment of the week. I always look forward to the locksmith. We're going to get Tom's top five games, five, four, three, two, one, and then he will give us his locksmith lock of the week. All right, Lucci. You sent me your five games. I got, I got, some, I got some questions now. I'm not okay. real smart when it comes to stuff like this. Now, I was only three and three last week, Tony, but the lock won. The so lock won. Well, that's, that's what USC counts. Won, so. There you go. All right. If I, get these, if I get any of these point spreads wrong, you tell me, okay? Sure. Penn State giving three at Auburn. Penn State, a three-point favorite at Auburn. Auburn has looked just awful in the first two games. Four interceptions one touchdown pass against Little Sisters of the Poor. Who do you like in this game? That's why I like them, Tony. I like them, I like them getting up for this game at home. Jordan Hare is going to be packed. Um, no bow nicks to screw things up. And it's a big game. Tell me what James Franklin's uh, track record has been in recent years in big games. Now Penn yep. State's got to go on the road. I know Penn State, as I've said in my comments, uh, for our picks, I know Penn State is more battle tested, but I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to see the A game from Auburn uh, this week. And uh, you know, uh, the main thing is Auburn can shorten the game with Tank Tank Rigsby and that running. That's a very very good running game. And if you keep Sean Clifford off the field, they have a shot. They really have a shot here. And it's also a revenge game from last year. I, I think they felt like they were the better team last year. Right. Did not win that game. Yeah, you, if you're all when you've got to build the offense around Tank Bigsby, that is a- absolutely true. And also, and here's the deal. give me an SEC team with points at home. Every points time. at home, yeah. Well, here's the, here's the deal. Auburn is opening the season 
with five straight games at home. This was this is a key game. They need to start five and zero to calm everybody down. Now the back half of back half of the season is just awful, but it, the, we'll see. This this will be an interesting game. Uh, they got to but they got to do something about throwing the ball. They, they, they've been just awful. All right, yeah, they, Texas A and M. This Luch, this game fascinates me. Texas A and M giving five and a half at home to Miami in a desperation game that I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're not going to fire Jimbo Fisher. I know, I understand that. But this is a crucial game for Jimbo Fisher. There's no question. And I like the Aggies in this one. And I'll tell you why. It's, it's, a, it's a simple philosophy from betting all the years. After one game, the knee-jerk reaction is, uh, A&M's terrible, Miami's on the rise. That's it, two games in. Well, the reality is A&M's not this bad. We just talked about the number one recruiting class in the country. Miami, I'm not convinced, is this good yet. I mean, they struggled last week. They were only, I think they were down 10-7 at halftime, you know, before rallying to win. I like Van Dyke as a quarterback a lot. But I have a feeling we're going to, again, at home, backs against the wall, SEC team, I have a feeling we're going to see the best of, of Texas A&M. And it switched. Uh, I, I think they're going to have a switch of quarterback maybe to Max Johnson. So uh, the LSU transfer. So that may help. Well, they, they got to go to Mac. Max Johnson was a was a was a solid quarterback at LSU. Grew up in the shadow of Sanford Stadium in, in Athens, Georgia. Actually, Watkinsville. This, this I'm telling. You, this is a big game, guys. Did y'all? I'm gonna tell you something. I did not know this. Jimbo Fisher got a four year extension on his contract on his original ten year deal. He got it last year. Bumped his pay way up, guys. If they were to fire him. This and I looked it up and I read it from several different sources. If they were to get all mad and fire him this year, his buyout would be over eighty million dollars. They probably wouldn't eight zero. Nobody's had a, nobody's had anything like that. So there's another reason they're not they're not going to fire him, regardless of what happens. All right, Luce. This this is one you got to you got to educate me on. NC State. Given ten at home against Texas Tech. Texas Tech's been playing well. Had a big win uh, last week. NC State. Tell this seems to be the hot school that everybody has fallen in love with. Tell me why. Well, tell, tell me who you like. That's 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 ten including, points at home. Including who do you like? Tony, I, I had NC State in, in, as a potential uh, you know threat to, to Clemson to win the ACC. Yeah. Uh, very. I mean. Here's my thinking on this. Uh, first of all, Texas Tech comes off a great win uh, against Houston, a Houston team that people thought might run the table and win the AAC. Um, so that was a good win. Uh, the, the thing about NC State is totally unimpressed by the game at East Carolina. And, and my thinking is this. If East Carolina makes an extra point, what's the line on this game? Two? Pick them? It ain't 10. <laughs> it's not 10. So yeah. has, has NC State improved that much by beating, uh, beating up, uh, basically having a scrimmage last week? I'm not convinced yet. Devin yeah. Leary's going to show me more quarterback. They have to play to their potential, which they have not done yet. I think Texas Tech is there now. By the end of the season, I have a feeling NC State's going to be the much better team. But at this stage of the season, uh, Texas Tech is playing the better football. All right. There you have it right there. Oregon, given three and a half at home against BYU. BYU, by the way, guys, went 5-0 and against Pac-12 teams. Last year, who do you like here, Luigi? I like BYU. I listen. Here's what I, I I've seen from watching two BYU games. I, I, you know, obviously the the overtime win against Baylor is is 
really said something. It was a statement game, I felt. Uh, they go on the road in the heat and humidity of South Florida. They win that game handily. This is a different kind of BYU team. It's physical. It's defense-oriented. They can run the football, and they have a solid quarterback. Um, I think going into Oregon is not going to be intimidating for them. Oregon still has Bo Nix at quarterback. Yep. Which can go either way. And, again, I'm going to reference something I just said earlier. What is Oregon's recent track record in big games? To me, it's not that impressive. So I think BYU is looking at this game. This is the last major obstacle to BYU possibly running the table. Yeah. Or, Oregon only lost. Oregon and being a playoff team. They could be a, a playoff team wins this game on the road. So we'll see if they're wow. a playoff team. Wow. Oh, by the way, they I think Arkansas plays BYU a little bit later this season, and they're going to Provo. That's that's going to be. And Notre Dame plays them too, right? Notre Dame I think that's them? right. Yeah, wow. If they go if they go through that schedule undefeated, yeah, they're gonna yeah, they they're definitely gonna get some love. Hey, let me bring bring the other guys, Herb and Mark. Let me bring you in a couple a couple of games. Blau, Alabama yeah. is giving forty nine and a half at home against UL Monroe. What do you think about that? Well, it's it's gonna be not pretty because she's gonna they're gonna chew out, you know, they're gonna get chewed out all week and they're gonna wanna take it on somebody and unfortunately that's the that the the thing. It could be fifty six nothing. It could be forty nothing forty nine nothing by halftime. I really could. Um and then they'll then they'll call off the dogs. So I mean I, I would take Alabama, but I, I will be a little hesitant about that many points because I, I just don't think that he's got tough games coming up and once he's got the game under hand in control, I think he'll pull off pull it off. So it might it might be a late touchdown, which can be very dangerous, as Lucy well knows about late touchdowns. Yes, I do. Herb Gould, Michigan State going to Washington. Ooh. Getting three and a half. We're what say you? Well, you know what? I <laughs> I, I always end up taking the devil I know. Um, and, you know, that's really a strange thing to say because with so many guys coming in off the portal uh, from Mel Tucker's Spartans, it, it's hard to say. But, I, you know, we're going to find out a lot about Michigan State. And I just think that, you know, they they he's he's I, I was around him a little bit when he was a coordinator with the Bears in the NFL. And. He knows what he's doing. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a believer that, that Sparty's going to go out there and, and play some football. All right. All right, I, guys, I got one for you. Right, right, write this one down. Last week, Wake Forest looked impressive in beating Vanderbilt. Beat him solid. You know, Vanderbilt was 2-0. Was this week, Wake Forest is at home giving 16-and-a-half against Liberty and Hugh Freeze. I'm telling you. Wake Forest is going to win the game at home, but they're not going to cover the 16 and a half. The Sam Hartman just came back last week, though, too, Tony. That's exactly right. So I understand. I understand that. But they're, they're again, Wake Forest is going to win the game, but they're not going to cover the 16 and a half. So we shall see. All right. Let's wrap it up here before we get to the, the finish here. Some final thoughts from the panel. What, what, Mark Blousen, let me start with you. What are you looking forward to? most on Saturday? Well, two things. I, I want to see, uh, first of all, I want to see what Miami does with A&M. I mean, I'm a little bit worried that I was very confident about Miami winning that game until A&M lost to Appalachian State. Now I'm, now I'm like Luch, I'm, I'm worried about how they're going to perform. 
And the other thing is, I want to see what happens in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, with, with Oklahoma and Nebraska. I took the people out there. They can't play defense. This might be an 85 to 70, 72 game. Uh, Oklahoma's going to win because because Nebraska can't can't tackle anybody. Those those are the two games I'm looking for the most uh, in terms of what's going on this weekend. What about you, Herb? What are you looking forward to? Well, you know, I think we've touched on some of them. There's just a whole bunch of of sort of barometer games for the Big Ten. You know, the Penn State Auburn. I mean, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to my wife's going to be looking at me like I'm nuts because I'm going to have about four devices going: Penn State Auburn, Michigan State uh, at Washington. Uh, you know that Nebraska game is interesting to me. I want to see how that team plays with with uh, the relief of a coach. Uh, game we haven't touched on: Purdue, Syracuse, two teams that really are off to pretty good starts. And and I think Purdue, you know, they have a really good quarterback. That that could be a fun game to see. So there's there's just a lot of games like that in the Big Ten this week that are really going to you know we're going to get a little, lot more information about. Luke, you've made your picks, but what do you look for? Just as, a, as somebody who consumes college football, what are you looking forward to seeing? Well, I want to see if the Sun Belt teams can back up what they did this week. You know, I think I think that's important. That's number one. Uh, I didn't give you my lock of the week, Tony. It's Oklahoma minus an 11 and a half because I don't think Ooh. Nebraska's stopping anyone. So I right. say this was like a 55-21 game. I think uh, under Brett Venables, they're just going to get better and better. You know, um, especially with Dylan Gabriel, quarterback, getting adjusted transition. The other one, I, I, I'm just curious to see, how can Iowa be favored by 16 and a half over anybody? No. Uh, Bingo. I, I know, Bingo. I, I know Nevada's terrible, but I, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I, I, you know, this is the worst offense in the country statistically. It's not me saying it, but they, they scored seven points against Iowa State last week. Seven. And, and didn't the week before they scored seven points? Uh, a field goal and two safeties. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got it wrong. The over under is sixteen and a half. Not the spreads. The over under is sixteen. Yeah, it should be the, the sixteen and a half should be the over under. I know. Oh. Mainly though, Tony, the Sun Belt teams. Do they follow up? Are do they, they do it? Are they are they just gonna blink back and because they have a chance now to be the dominant group of you know the the dominant non power five conference now because right. the AAC has teams their top teams have all lost already. Right. Well, going back to what we talked about, I'm, the Texas A&M-Miami game fascinates me because do, you know, because last year all, all, the, uh, all the Texas A&M fans kept telling us, well, if we just had Haynes King at quarterback, we'd be fine. This Zach Calzada guy, he can't do it. Hey, you'll see when we get Haynes King, we're going to be just fine. Well, now poor Haynes King, he was so confused during the course of that game and they didn't give his team a chance to win. I'm just – if it goes poorly again, does Jimbo make the change at quarterback? I, I mean, they're going to be 8-4 and four at the end of the year. Isn't wow. That their, isn't that their, uh, their, their MO? Don't they go 8-4? Except, the yeah, except for the COVID year. Except yeah. for the – Right. I mean, they go 8-4 every year. So that's what they'll be at the end of the year. Oh, would that be ugly? Would that be ugly? All right, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Listen, we scored a, a touchdown with today's proceedings. Now let's put a bow on it with an extra point from Mr. College Football. Okay. Appalachian wins. Appalachian State wins at Texas A&M. Marshall wins at Notre Dame. Georgia Southern wins at Nebraska. And they all got paid. Right around from $1.2 million to $1.5 million. They got paid for traveling and beating the home team. So – 
What does this tell us? Here's what it tells us, guys. It tells us that college football is changing. Thanks to the transfer portal, the talent gap between the Power Five and the best teams in the group of five is shrinking. There are good players and good coaches everywhere, and with the portal, you can remake your roster pretty darn quickly. Now, if you're not ready to play, as Texas A&M, Notre Dame, and Nebraska clearly were not, you can get beat, even in your own ballpark. How about this as a prediction? Think about this, guys. When we get to a 12-team playoff in 2024 or 2026 or whenever it's going to be, this whole Power Five, Group of Five thing is going to go away. It's going to be the highest-ranked six conferences, regardless of who they were, and they will qualify for the playoffs. And think about this. If we had a 12-team playoff this season, Sunbelt champion will be looking pretty good right about now. So keep that in mind. All right, and this, my friends, is good for college football. It's really good for college football. The more teams that come to the party, the better off the sport is going to be. And as my good buddy Tim Brando said, there is parity in college football. We just don't get a chance to see it in the postseason because they only choose a few to whoever get a chance. They don't only choose a handful. Cincinnati broke through last year, and I think more teams are going to break through as we go along. And that is the extra point from Mr. CFB. Now, before we go, I want to again thank our sponsor, APA Games. You can find them at apbagames.com. Please remember our website, TMG College Sports. It's under the si.umbrella, si.com slash college slash TMG. You're going to find Mark Blauschen's Newsmaker of the Week on our website and our team picks on Friday. There's a lot of good stuff on our website, folks, so check it out. Thanks to our technical staff, David Amaral, Sheila Dufresne, and Maria Barnhart. We simply could not do it without them. Have a great third Saturday of college football, my friends. For Mark Blauschen, Herb Gould, and Tom Lucci, this is Tony Barnhart, hoping that you have a great Saturday and carry on.